Hey everybody, how's it going? This is Hub, and I hope you're having a terrifying whatever it is you end up listening to this. I, uh, I did a weird thing, and I've decided to inflict it upon you. If you're looking for comic book coverage, uh, that'll be back next week. But I had a weird idea that I became kind of obsessed with, and it's Halloween, so... Welcome to Tales from the Haunted Disco Barn! Well, hello there. You caught me sweeping up the dance floor. Welcome to the Disco Barn. You've probably heard some of the rumors about dark goings-on in the area. All true, I'm afraid. But between those rumors and the fact that our particular brand of dance music has fallen out of the public favor, we don't get too many visitors here these days. So you'll forgive me if my manners are a bit rusty. Apart from that leafer who was looking for gas a few months ago, we haven't had a caller in years. Funny thing about that fella, he pulled in on account of he was a few quarts low. But he ended up a few quarts lower. Heh. Little vampire humor there. Oh, I'm a vampire. Now then... Where was I? Oh, yes. I was welcoming you to my disco barn. Mind you, it seems you two were already making yourselves a bit too welcome to my property. If you hadn't jimmied the lock on that barn door, we wouldn't be having this here conversation. Speaking of conversation, I reckon now's about as good a time as any to release my vampiric thrall over you and find out what you have to say for yourselves. What? What happened? Well, it'd be a bit more appropriate for the homeowner to be questioning the intruders, but I suppose I could indulge. I was upstairs in the loft listening to the Sox game on my transistor radio when I heard a bit of a ruckus. You like baseball? Sure. That's one of the few things those Stephanie Myers books got right. Certainly don't sparkle in the sunlight. Although, it has been mentioned that I do tend to shine on the dance floor. Anyway, I heard you kids mucking about down here. The Sox were up by a comfortable margin. So I turned off the radio and popped downstairs to bop the pair of you on your noggins. Not too hard, I trust. I think we're okay. Well, I'm glad to hear that, dear, but don't interrupt. I trust the two of you up to that support beam with some bailing wire and started sweeping up the dance floor while I waited for you to wake up. And here we are. But, but who are you? What are you? Well, to answer your second question, I'm a farmer a disco enthusiast, and a vampire. Although not necessarily in that order. Although not necessarily not in that order. As for your first question, my name is Ezekiel. Ezekiel P. Shadowmaven, at your service. Although to be fair, it would probably be more accurate to say that you're at my service, on account of my mesmeric vampire powers and all. M- Mr. Shadowmaven? Oh, now for hell's sake, Mr. Shadowmaven. I hear Mr. Shadowmaven, I start looking over my shoulder for my dark maker. Call me Ezekiel, or Zeke if you prefer, although seeing as there's a pretty good chance I'll drain your blood and leave your corpses as desiccated husks, I suppose I'd understand if you weren't feeling too chummy. Okay, Ezekiel, what is this place? I mean, from the outside it just looks like a creepy old barn, but in here it's more like... like a nightclub or something. Well, dear... I suspect your partner here knows a bit more than he's letting on, but, seeing as you're from away, I suppose I could afford to indulge you. From away? Oh, that's just one of the charmingly folksy xenophobic expressions we use around here. If you like it, we've got others. It means you aren't from these parts. I'm from New Haven. Connecticut's still part of New England, isn't it? (laughs) Sure. 
<laughs> sure it is. Anyway, Miss Connecticut, I'll have you know that this here barn was once the finest discotheque north of Brattleboro. People, and assorted others, used to come here from all over. Others? Oh, goodness, yes. We used to get humans, vampires, werewolves, banshees. One time, we even had a chupacabra stop by. Nice fella. Not much of a dancer, I'm afraid, but a nice enough fella nonetheless. So it's true. You really are a... a... Well, sure. But what happened to you? How did you become... Well, it's funny you should ask. The year was 1974. It was a night much like tonight. Dark and, well, not exactly stormy, but definitely dark and partly cloudy with a nor'easter threatening to come in over the weekend. There was a Sox game on, and I was fiddling with the AM dial on my transistor radio, trying to listen to Carl Yastrzemski's at bat. That's when I heard it. A sound that still gives me goosebumps when I think about it all these years later. There have been times since when I wished I could go back and warn myself about what I was about to experience. Because after I heard that sound, my life was forever changed. And I became the creature you see before you today. It was Never Can Say Goodbye by Gloria Gaynor. A Gloria Gaynor song turned you into a vampire? No, it turned me into a disco enthusiast. I thought that was what we were talking about. So, how did you become a vampire? No, I got bit by a vampire. But that was ages ago. Anyways, after I heard that song, I was hooked. I just had to hear more of that haunting, driving music. I headed into Portland to try to feed my dark hunger, but there were precious few record stores, and even fewer that were open after sunset. I was about to despair and console myself by feeding my other dark hunger when my keen vampire senses detected the presence of a werewolf. Now, normally, when it comes to my lupine neighbors, I try to steer clear. Werewolves can be a mite territorial, especially when vampires are concerned, and are more likely to rip your throat asunder than to loan you a cup of O-negative. But I was desperate, and this fellow smelled congenial enough. Striking up a conversation went against my every instinct, both as a vampire and as a mainer, but I was glad I did. Turned out that Larry was up from Boston, visiting his extended pack. Not only had he brought a few records with him that he said that I could borrow, but, seeing as he didn't have the same aversion to sunlight that I did, he offered to visit the shops for me the next day and make some purchases on my behalf. By the time that summer had ended, Larry and I had become quite close, and I had put together a fairly respectable collection of contemporary dance music. And although it went against my normally reclusive nature, much to my surprise, I found myself at the center of a growing rural supernatural community who were quite fond of popular music. We would get together, gather around my old Motorola console, and listen to the Hughes Corporation or Cool and the Gang or Love's Unlimited Orchestra. I remember there was one warlock who was always wanting to listen to Bachman-Turner Overdrive. He was a pain in the keister, but he was the one who was bringing the party favors, so what could you do? These meetups were quite agreeable in their way, but there was one problem. Listening to the songs was one thing, but this form of music more or less demanded that its listeners express themselves through dance, and there was simply not a venue in the area that could safely accommodate a group of creatures as powerful and diverse as our little parties had become. 
That's when I had an idea. This farm had been in my family for generations. But we had been primarily sustenance farmers, and, ever since I'd been turned, farming no longer provided the particular sustenance for which I hungered. So I sold off my tractor and my thresher, and any other farm equipment I figured I could get more than a couple of dollars for, and I used the money to convert this barn into a discotheque. As word started to spread, the barn became a sort of safe haven for all the weird and eldritch disco fans throughout New England, and on occasion, even beyond. Everyone was welcome to come here and party, provided they follow our house rules. We called them the five Fs. No fighting in the barn. No feeding in the barn. No flapping your gums about the barn. No following anyone leaving the barn. And no Francis in the barn. Francis? He was that warlock I mentioned earlier who was always going on about BTO. By the time the barn was ready to open, we were all pretty tired of Frank's malarkey. He kept trying to ensorce a Larry into making beer runs for him. Plus, if I had to hear taking care of business one more time, I think I might have gone into a full-on blood rage. But of course, that was all years ago. And, as much as I've enjoyed this little saunter down memory lane, I'm still left with a matter of what I'm going to do with you two youngsters. Mr. Shadow. Huh? Ezekiel. There you go. Can't you just let us go? I swear we didn't mean any harm. We won't tell anyone about this, I promise. Well, that's as yet to be determined. Now what on earth were you folks doing breaking into my barn at this hour? You'd never catch me going anywhere where I wasn't invited. Well, I mean, you couldn't, could you? I mean, if you're a vampire... Oh, for Christ's sake, no. I couldn't because I was raised with some goddamn manners. Wait, didn't you say that anyone was welcome to come here and party? Well, that's what me and Susie were doing. We just wanted to party. Is that so? It's true. We didn't know anything about this place or its colorful past. We just thought it was an abandoned barn. Me and Biff have been hanging out all summer, and he said he thought this would be a place where we could get away from everybody and, you know, a party. Biff, is it? Yes, uh, sir. Biff. Hendrickson. And it's like the young lady says, you two lovebirds came here to party. Honest, we did. We just didn't know anyone lived here. Well, to be fair, there isn't exactly anyone living here. But if you came here to party, that's a horse of a different color. (laughs) And unless my otherworldly senses are very much mistaken, there's something in young Bifford's pocket that might warrant a closer inspection. What? No, that's... What are you talking about? Oh, so that isn't a bindle of Bolivian marching powder in your right pocket. Oh, the Coke, uh... Yeah, do you want some? Well, it has been a while. I suppose I could be persuaded. Help yourself, please. Well, maybe just a key bump. Mind you, the key to this barn is pretty large. (laughs) Jesus, he snorted the whole eight ball. That takes me back. If my heart was still beating, I reckon it would be beating a mile a minute. Just listen to how fast I'm talking. In fact, this booger sugar puts me in the mind of a story that happened during this here bond's heyday. A story that involves a couple that reminds me a bit of you two in a certain way. Why don't you two just relax and make yourselves comfortable? 
I'm told that my flair for the dramatic is matched only by the flair at the end of the trouser legs of these gleaming white rhinestone-encrusted overalls I'm wearing. They're very nice. Thank you, dear. I don't see how comfortable we can make ourselves when we're trussed to this beam with bailing wire. Mr. Hendrickson, was it? As you're probably aware, cocaine has a couple of side effects. Sure, it can make me a bit loquacious, but it can also make me a bit thirsty. And I don't drink. Moxie. Now, would you like to hear a story? Yeah, yeah yes, please. Yes, please. A story sounds great. A story sounds great. Well, if you insist, I call this tale Trees Company. The year was 1975, and business at the barn was going gangbusters. We were right out straight all summer, but pretty soon the Flatlanders would be heading home, so I decided to try importing some live entertainment. A New York talent agent had sent in a demo from one of his singers. The salmon were running a little late in the Penobscot River that fall, and the Selkie, who was a regular weekend DJ, was aiming to take some time off to do some fishing. So, I decided to offer the singer one of his weekend slots through October. She was overjoyed at the prospect. Alec, I don't know what you were thinking booking a month of gigs in this podunk town out in West Nowhere. This burg is strictly Hicksville, USA. I'm a star, damn it, a star. I've got half a mind to go right back to that train station and park my big city caboose on a caboose headed back to the Big Apple. Sure, we might have sewer rats the size of Lionel Hampton's rhythm section, and every two-bit palooka with a couple of nickels thinks he can rub them together to start a fire in your pants, but at least there's indoor plumbing and I can get a decent martini. Look, sweetie, dollface, angel, shut up. You know you're my favorite client, but the record companies haven't exactly been beating down our doors lately. Sure, Agatha St. Grenadine was a star. Was. But that was 15 years ago. These days, nobody's in the market for a torch singer who's pushing 40, and pushing it from the other side, I might add. The nightclubs you used to sing in have all been converted into discos. Sure, you still got a great set of pipes, but the world's changing and we've got to change with it. That's why, from now on, you are no longer soulful crooner Agatha St. Grenadine. You are now 23-year-old disco phenom Avarice Hors You're going to spend the next month working on your new material where nobody is going to recognize you. And when we head back into the city, you'll be the talk of the town. Oh, I'll do my part, Alec. You know that. But 23? Sure, I've still got a pair of getaway sticks that make the Pope kick his funny hat through the roof of the Sistine Chapel, and my figure's like a tenured professor who's become an embarrassment to his institution in as much as it just won't quit. But 23? You just let me worry about that. Come on, baby. Have I ever steered you wrong? Only constantly. With you as my agent, I've gotten less work than the turn signal on a BMW. This scheme is nuttier than George Washington Carver's research facility. I should have my head examined for going along with it, but I'm out of options. Fine, let's beat feet to this alleged venue you've booked me at. What was it? The dance shed? The disco barn. And my cousin Alphonse assures me it is the hottest underground dance club in all of Piscataqua County. It'll be great place for you to debut Boogie Oogie Badger. I'll drop you off at sundown, and don't worry, I'm sure they'll have indoor plumbing. Now, sign these photo releases for those publicity shots we took, and we'll be on our way. Well, hello there, and welcome to the Disco Barn. My name is Ezekiel P. Shadowmaven, owner and proprietor. You must be 
Avarice, was it? Avarice. Charmed, I'm sure. I must say, given the, let's just say, rustic exterior, once you get inside, this place is as up-to-date as a pair of bell-bottom jeans on a pet rock. Well, it's kind of you to say so, dear. I'm afraid we don't have any indoor plumbing. A certain percentage of our clientele has some issues with running water. But, other than that, everything in here is quite state-of-the-art. Come on, let me fix you a drink and I'll show you around. What'll you have? Would a martini be too much to ask for? Not at all. I must say, I enjoyed your demo tape. Boogie Oogie Badger, it's alright I suppose if you like that sort of thing. Which of course I do, being a vapid 23-year-old and all. <laughs> oh, the song itself is okay, as far as it goes. I like that it's about a badger. But you're singing, and I don't say this lightly. Your singing is not bad. Here's your drink. Now let me show you around. We open at sundown, but as you can see, most of our customers don't arrive until quite a bit later. I start playing records when we open, and we usually get a few stragglers on the dance floor, but things don't really heat up until about midnight or so. That's when your set will start. Now, I should probably warn you, some of the folks here might seem a bit, well, unusual. Oh, please. I've lived in New York for my whole life. All... 23 years of it, that is. In Fun City, we drink in the unusual like it was one of those delicious martinis that I seem to have just fin... Oh. Oh. My. Who. Is that? Oh. That fella on the dance floor? That's Ace. He's been coming here regular ever since we opened last year. Nice fella. Easy on the eyes, too, isn't he? Why, if I was 240 years younger... Come on, I'll introduce you. I've never seen anything so beautiful in my life. Well, then I know what I'm getting you for Christmas, little lady. A mirror. Why, you're as pretty as a forest glen with well-drained soil. In fact, you look a little like... Oh, no. No way. Hello. I'm... I'm Avarice. Avarice hors d'oeuvre. Like fun you are. You're Agatha St. Grenadine. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I'm freaking out. I am such a fan. I've got all your records. Oh my gosh. One summer I was staying in Central Park and, and I wandered into Jimmy Ryan's and I saw you singing Cruddy Water. Oh, and it, oh, it changed my life. Well, thank you. That's... Wait a minute. That's impossible. Why, you sweet dumb kid. Haven't sang at Jimmy Ryan's in over 17 years. And if you're a day over 22, I'll eat this stylish yet understated gold lame pantsuit. Well, then I hope you're hungry, Miss St. Grenadine, because I would never fib about your music. Well, it would appear that you two have a fair amount to talk about. I'll be over at the bar if you need anything. Miss, uh, hors d'oeuvre? Remember, you go on at midnight. I'll be looking forward to it. Agatha and Ace talked for hours. During their conversation, there were long stretches of time when neither one of them would say a word. They didn't seem to notice. Or... If they did, it certainly didn't seem to bother them. Finally, the witching hour approached, and Agatha took to the stage. She had never sung better. Ace stood entranced for the entire performance. For the first time since the barn had opened, he didn't even dance. He just stood there staring. Fortunately, others, myself included, enjoyed the show in a somewhat less introspective manner. Jeez Louise, look at that farmer go! I don't think his feet are even touching the dance floor! When the show ended, Agatha was overjoyed at her performance. 
I've never sang like that before, not even in the old days. My throat was dripping honey like a bee with holes in its pockets, and my lungs were churning out more air than the trophy winner's backside after a bean-eating contest. Where is he? Where is that beautiful, impossible kid? If you're looking for Ace, I'm afraid he skedaddled as soon as your performance was over. Why that gorgeous dummy? Why would he do a thing like that? Well, Ace tends to depart on the early side most every night. If it's any consolation, this is the latest I've ever seen him stay. Normally, he takes off at the stroke of midnight. So that's it, then. That fantastic moron is gone, just like that, and without even leaving me a glass slipper to pine over like some lovesick nincompoop. Do you think I'll ever see him again? Sure. He's been here every night for over a year. You could say he's really laid down roots here. (laughs) What? I don't get it. Was that a joke? Never mind. But he'll be back. Well, nothing's for sure, except the socks blowing it in the postseason. But I'd be awfully surprised if he wasn't. I think you made an even bigger impression on him than he did on you. I'm not sure if that's even possible. Sure enough, the next night, A showed up at opening. And Agatha was happy to see him. In her own way. Why, you wonderful stupid idiot! What were you thinking rushing off like that? I thought I might never see you again. Not that I'm sure I want to after you go and pull a stunt like that. I swear I've got half a mind to storm out of this barn and never speak to you again, which is exactly what you deserve. In fact, if I wasn't under a contractual obligation to perform in a few hours, that's exactly what I'd do. Honest, I would. Well, lucky for you, I'm a professional. Oh, jeez. I'm so sorry. I-, I never wanted to do anything to hurt you, Miss St. Grenadine. J- just being around you last night was about the superest thing I've done in my whole life. I, I think you're a really... Neat lady. Well, I thought you were pretty neat yourself. But then I nearly died of hypothermia from the cold shoulder you gave me. What's with the Cinderella act? You turn into a pumpkin when the clock strikes twelve? No, not a pumpkin. Then what gives, Twinkle Toes? I notice your hair's a bit redder. Did you have to run home and dye it? Are you gussy enough for some other broad you've got on the side? Or am I the side dish on this blue plate special? What? No way. I mean, I I don't understand a lot of what you just said, but... I don't have another lady, that's for sure. My hair just kind of does this on its own sometimes. And I don't think you're any any kind of a side dish. I I mean, if you were food, you'd be like, I don't know, a a big juicy steak, I guess? And and I might just be a box of Kraft dinner, but I think we'd taste pretty good together, eh? Well, that's just about the sweetest, most confusing thing I've ever heard. But if I'm the cat's pajamas, then why'd you make like a shoplifter in the cosmetics aisle and take a powder? Hey. I'm sorry. I I, I just can't tell you. Not yet. Please, don't hate me. Oh, you poor sweet dumb kid. I couldn't hate you if I tried. And I'm through trying. Okay, you've got your secrets. Who doesn't? If I cleared all the skeletons out of my closet, I could sublet it as a two-bedroom apartment. That doesn't mean we can't get to know each other a little better. Gosh, I'd, I'd sure like that. And that's how it went for the next few weeks. They'd both show up just as I was opening the barn, and they'd talk and dance and get familiar with one another, until it was time for the young lady to take the stage. And if on occasion they'd find themselves some secluded corner of the barn and do a bit more than talking, well, I'm sure that's none of my business. Oh, gosh, Miss St. Grenadine. Agatha. Oh, gosh, Miss Agatha. You taste like sunshine and a warm spring rain all at the same time. You taste like pancakes. Then, at midnight... Agatha would take the stage as Avarice. They say that emotion is the diesel that fuels the tractor of art. 
Perhaps it was her growing feelings for Ace, or perhaps she was just getting more familiar with her material. But either way, her performances kept getting better and better. But every night, before her last song had concluded, she would find that her paramour had fled off into the darkness. If it bothered her, she tried not to let on. She knew he'd be back the next evening, and they could pick up their canoodling where they'd left off. We got to talking after one of her shows. Zeke, I tell you, this month has been the bee's meow. Who'd have ever thought that coming to Maine would be one of the best things I've ever done? Listen to me, ever. I've gone native. (laughs) Well, I'm certainly glad you're enjoying yourself. But it takes a bit more than a few weeks to be considered a Mainer. Oh, I know that. I suppose you've got to be born here if you want people to really accept you as one of their own. If then. We try to be a bit more inclusive here at the barn, but for most of the region, you'll catch more than a few sideways glances unless you've been here for several generations. There's a saying, just because a werewolf climbs into an oven to birth a litter, that doesn't make a pop's muffins. Is that one of your famous, charmingly folksy, xenophobic expressions? Ah, yeah. Take your suitor, for example. Ace? Is he not from around here? No, he's from up north. It's subtle, but if you listen to it, you can detect a slight accent. But he's been here for quite a spell. Sure, he'll take leaves. <laughs> Every now and again. But he's lived in the area for nearly 40 years. And folks still consider him from away. 40 years? Well, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. You're pulling my leg, Ezekiel. I wasn't born yesterday, but he nearly was. Sure, he's wise beyond his years. Got an old soul, maybe. But if he's over 40, then I'm Gerald Ford. <laughs> Well, if you say so, Mr. President, perhaps you're right. I'm sure it's none of my concern either way. Over the next week, Agatha's concerts continued to improve, and as her voice got richer and fuller, her relationship with Ace continued to do likewise. Although neither one of them wanted to admit it, they were both aware that the end of Miss St. Grenadine's residency at the barn was approaching. On the night of her penultimate performance, as she stepped off the stage, Agatha was greeted by an unusual sight. Ace! Why, you're a sight for sore eyes. Shouldn't you have pulled your Doug Henning act by now and vanished into thin air? Not that I'm complaining, mind you. Why, I can't think of anyone I'd rather see. It's just... Say, you look a little bit strange. Are you feeling all right? Oh, I'm okay. Better than okay. I finally got to see the end of your show. Gosh, you were terrific. Well, it's kind of you to say so. Oh, who am I kidding? I was terrific. And I owe it all to you. Why, you're my muse. That's what you are. Oh, no. I'm no muse. Those guys are so stuck up. What was that? Say, are you sure you're okay? Your skin is starting to look a little gray. Never mind that, Miss Agatha. Uh, Will you come with me? There's something I want to show you, and we've got to hurry. Of course I will, you sweet, wonderful dummy. Why, I suppose I'd follow you just about anywhere, you crazy kid. But if it means I finally get to the bottom of why you split faster than a banana at the Ice Cream Olympics every night, then all the better. Let's make like a pugilist at a masonry convention and hit the bricks. Okay, here, take my hand. I'll lead the way. Why, Ace, your skin. It's so dry. Sorry. And with that, the two started running through the night forest, scrambling up hills and jumping over creeks and brush. Ace knew the path by heart, but after a half hour or so, Agatha started to lag behind a bit. Hold up, Ace. I'm doing my best, but I swear your legs are growing longer by the minute. Oh, sorry. They probably are. I promise it's not much farther, but but we've got to hurry. I'm almost out of time. Oh, for out of time? And here I thought I was supposed to be the dramatic one. Honest, Miss Agatha, we're nearly there. In fact, here we are. Well, all right then. 
It's... Well, I've got to tell you, Ace, it's a little anticlimactic. I mean, this is a very pleasant little glen with a nice little cluster of trees in it and a babbling brook. And if you brought me out here to fool around, I'm certainly game, but we could have done that miles ago. Why all this cloak and dagger business, and what's with the ticking clock? This whole thing is just a little... Oh, oh my god, Ace! What's ha What's happening to you? Yeah, this is what I needed to show you, Miss Agatha. See... I've never felt this way about anybody before, and we've never talked about it, but I know you're leaving pretty soon, and, well, I, I guess just before you left, I needed you to know the, the truth about what I am. And and what are you? Oh, I, I thought that was kind of obvious now. I'm a tree. A tree? Yep, uh, a maple tree. A maple tree? Uh-huh. A maple tree named Ace. Well, now, you see, that's actually short for Acer Saccharum, which is a fancy science-y talk for a sugar sap maple. Oh, oh, well, that's just perfect. Just perfect. Just my luck. I finally meet a wonderful guy who's crazy about me and glides on a dance floor like he's Gene Kelly on roller skates. And when he takes me out to the woods for a romantic rendezvous, it turns out he's a tree. A maple tree. Leave it to Agatha St. Grenadine to fall in love with a tree. Well, technically I'm a dryad, a, a wood nymph, but... Hey, wait a minute. Did did you say that you love me? I... Oh, who am I fooling? God help me, I did. I do love you, Ace. I don't care if you're a rock, a lilac bush, or a 1963 Chrysler Imperial. All I care is if you love me back. You may be a maple tree, but I'm the sap. Oh, Miss Agatha, you've made me the happiest tree in the world. Of course I love you. I think I've loved you ever since that first night I saw you in that nightclub almost 20 years ago. Oh, Ace. Miss Agatha, I, I can't move around so good once I start taking root for the night, but, but if you could come hold me and maybe just give me a smooch while I've still got a face, I think that'd be just super. You just try and stop me, you magical lumbering oaf you. After they had made out for a bit, Agatha sat and talked with Ace as his nightly transformation completed itself. So you really did see me sing all those years ago? Oh, sure. I had gone down to the city and planted myself in Central Park for the summer. But what was a nice dryad like you doing in a New York jazz club? Well, I got about seven hours a day that I can maintain my human form, so I tried to make the most of it and hit up some of the clubs. Us plants love music. We really respond to it. Well, this music maker is really responding to a certain plant. Get over here. Um, I, I kind of can't, remember? I'm almost all the way tree now, and if, if I try to reverse the process mid-transformation, well, it, it wouldn't be great. Oh, right. Well, then I guess I'd better go over to you. Oh, man, I'm sure gonna miss you, Miss Agatha. Are you sure you have to go back to the city next week? Can't you just stay up here a little bit longer? Oh, kid, I wish I could. Really, I do. But things are finally starting to move with my career. Big things are happening. I can feel it. The disco barn is great and all, but if I want to sell records, I can't keep hiding myself away here in the sticks. No offense. Yeah, I understand. I don't want to be selfish. It wouldn't be fair to keep you all to myself. The whole world deserves to hear your wonderful music. Until I heard your new song, I didn't even know that badgers liked to dance. I thought they just hid in burrows and, you know, sometimes killed prairie dogs. Oh, you're sweet to say that, kid. Say, I keep calling you kid. Just how old are you anyways? Well, let's see. It's, uh, 1975, so, uh, come November I'll be, oh, uh, 186 years old. Oh, and here I thought I was the cradle robber. 
Hey, I've got a thought. I don't want to give up my dreams, but I don't want to live without you either. When I head home next week, why don't you come with me? You've lived in New York before and you could do it again. I'll come visit you in the park every day. Once my career is going full tilt, we can come back up here and spend autumns in Maine. It'll be just perfect. Oh, say you'll do it, Ace. You've just got to. Well, of course I will, Miss Agatha. Oh, wow. What a great idea. You're as smart as you are pretty, and that's saying something. Truth be told, it's probably safer for me to be out of these woods for the next couple of winters. Oh, that's just wonderful. I can't think when I've ever heard better news. But what do you mean, safer? Why, what could possibly be a danger to my big, strong tree man? Syrupers. Every winter during sugaring season, they roam the woods of New England, drilling holes in maple trees and inserting spigots into the holes so that they can collect our sap. I've been tapped more than a few times over the years. Maybe you notice the scars on my bark. Why, that's barbaric. You poor, sweet, 186-year-old kid. Who would do such a thing? Well, most folks don't mean nothing by it. It doesn't hurt regular maple trees none, but but for us dryads, our sap is where we store our magic. If I lose much more of it, I'm going to start having trouble transforming. Plus, the syrup that's made from dryad sap is prized for its mystical properties. And there's this warlock named Francis who's been prowling through these woods for years now looking to stick a spigot in my bark. That guy's a real horse's patoot. I mean... I like BTO as much as the next Canadian, but for crying out loud, give it a rest, Francis. Oh, crud. Speaking of bark, I think the bark is starting to form over my mouth hole. If I'm going to make the trip down to the Big Apple with you in a couple of days, I better get some rest. I might not be able to make it until the end of your set, but come see me out here after you finish up. There's something I want I want to give you. I... I love you too, you sweet, dumb, impossible tree boy. And you can save that present. You've already given me more than I could possibly have dreamed for. Plus, after a night like tonight, I'm not sure I could take any more surprises. The next night, Agatha exceeded the already high standard she had set with the recent shows. She was absolutely remarkable. And I was far from the only one who was impressed. A familiar face had returned to watch what had been scheduled to be her final performance at the barn. He greeted her as she got off stage. Honey, baby, dollface, that was fantastic. You made Donna Summers look like, I don't know, something shitty. I'm not good with similes like you are, but that was amazing. Alec, why, I'm in such a good mood, it's almost a pleasure to see that ugly mug of yours. I was really that good? What am I saying? Of course I was. This place has been simply wonderful. I'm as happy as a record executive at an all-you-can-snort cocaine buffet. I admit I had my doubts about this little experiment, but I could admit when I'm licked and in this scenario, I'm a regular Tootsie Pop. Alex Sanderson, you're a genius. That is what I've been telling you this whole time. And speaking of record execs, they are going to flip their lids when they hear you. They already love the demo and have agreed to sign Avarice or d'oeuvre to a big fat record contract. But when they hear how you sound now, we are talking multi-album deal. I'm under contract? Why, that's fantastic. Do you think you could book us a gig at the gallery? Forget about the gallery. Boogie Oogie Badger is going to be a huge hit. We are talking Shea Stadium. They've already started putting up posters and billboards all over town. I'm on billboards? Oh, Alec, if I didn't find you so physically and morally repugnant, I could just kiss you. Wait a minute. What are they use for the pictures? You didn't send them prints from that photo shoot where I was wearing that sequin bee suit, did you? You wouldn't. That styrofoam stinger made my rump look all frumpy. Say, what's that you've got there? 
Is that one of the posters? Give it here. What? This? No, no. This is nothing. This is a roadmap. I, I got it at a gas station so I could find this place. Stop being coy, Alec. It looks ridiculous on you. Besides, we both know that this town isn't on any maps for some reason. Now give it here. I want to see which photo they used. Who? Who is that? What is she doing on my poster? That is Avarice hors d'oeuvre. B- but I'm Avarice hors d'oeuvre. Well, yes you are. Sort of. You are the voice of Avarice. Nicoretto Flanagan is the face of Avarice. And the butt of Avarice. And the tits of Avarice. I get the picture. Look, baby, they loved your demo, and I tried to sell them on you. I did. I told them you were in great shape, showed them the pictures, and they agreed. They said you looked terrific for a woman your age. (gasps) Hey, if we were trying to sell opera or polka music, that'd be one thing. But let's face it, you're 43 years old. In disco years, that might as well be 186. You're washed up. Yesterday's news. But you can still sing. That voice of yours is liquid gold, and it can make us millions. Nicorette may look the part, but she sings like an iguana who's been goggling kitty litter. Hey, how about that? I made a simile after all. You shut up, you monster. I won't do it. I'll never agree to that. But, Agatha, you already did. You should really be more careful about what documents you're signing. The photo releases. Exactly. You already agreed that when Nicorette is on stage shaking her 19-year-old behind, you will be backstage singing into a microphone that is hooked up to the PA system. From now on, that is as close to a stage as you are going to get. And if you don't go through with it, you'll be in breach of contract. And not only will I take you for every cent you own, I will see to it that you never perform again. If you so much as sing in the shower, I will have you in court before you can finish shampooing your hair. And what's more... I will win. You! <laughs> you bastard! You! <laughs> hey, Dullface, don't be like that. This is for your own good. This way you get to keep singing. You'll be a star again. You'll... Where, where are you going? Uh, ah, forget it. You'll come back. You have no choice. I own you! Agatha fled through the woods towards the secluded glen seeking solace in the arms of her wood nymph lover. Although it had only been one night previous, it now seemed like ages since Ace had shared his wondrous secrets, and the two of them had declared their love for one another. Tears streamed down her face, and brambles tore at the hem of a sparkling gown as she stumbled through the woods. Although she had only been there once before, Agatha found that her heart seemed to instinctively know its way through the darkened forest. Before long, she found herself at Ace's copse of trees. When she arrived, her paramour had already taken root, and his transformation into a maple tree was well underway. Heedless of the rough bark that scraped against a still damp cheek, she flung her arms around his trunk. Oh, hey, Miss Agatha, I've been... Oh, jeez, what's wrong? Only everything, that's what. I'm a washed-up, stupid old nothing. I'm finished. You might as well start gathering the discarded limbs of your buddies here and make me a rocking chair, because that's the only kind of rocking a used-up old hag like me is good for. Whoa, 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 slow down. 
Now, you're always calling me a dummy, but that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I've lived 186 years, and I'll tell you right now that Agatha St. Grenadine is the most beautiful, wonderful, talented, bestest lady I ever met. And what's more, you're even prettier now than you were 20 years ago. Now, you take back those mean things you just said about the woman I love, and, and you just tell me what happened. Agatha filled Ace in on all the heartbreaking details of her encounter with the agent earlier that night. When she had finished, Ace was quiet for a minute. I am so sorry, Miss Agatha. That is just terrible. I know he's your agent and all, but I hope you don't mind my saying that that Alec guy sounds like, well, a, a real jerk, if you'll pardon my French. Us dryads earn a violent punch, but I got half a mind to drop a branch on his mean old noodle. Oh, Ace, don't you see? It doesn't matter. He's right. No one in Gotham's going to take a chance on a used-up old crooner whose career reached its expiration date the day her odometer turned to over 30. Sure, I've still got the chops, but these days, nobody's buying the mutton chops when there's veal on the menu, and that's all the music business is interested in. Veal, as in young flesh, which I've no longer got. Well, I still think that's just silly. You're absolutely perfect the way you are. But if you're right, and all those musical bigwigs care about is your age, then... Maybe I can help. What are you talking about, you gorgeous wooden dunce? You may be older than Whistler's mother, but unless H.G. Wells crashed a time machine into your leafy tuchus, I don't see how you can fix this for me. I'm through. Well, it's it's just that I... Look, I, I want you to come over here and, and dig down in the loose soil around my roots. I, I've got something for you. Look, kid, I'm flattered and all, but I'm not really in the mood for a subterranean handjob right now. Some other time, okay? When my ego isn't in a million pieces all over the floor like a shattered disco ball. No, no, it's it's not that. It's just, please do this for me. It's important. Well, if you say so. Hey, it's some kind of bottle. What is this? You got a genie pal who's going to grant me wishes or something? No. Well, I, I mean, I suppose I do know this one guy, but, but Eddie hasn't left Manitoba in decades. He's got nothing to do with this. This bottle is, well... You remember how I told you that Dryad Sap is, is where we keep our magic? Well, that bottle's the, the last little bit of syrup I've got left from the last time I got tapped. I was going to give it to you anyways. Not not on account I want you to look younger. It's just that, well, well, I I wanted us to have some more time together. I, I figured if you took a drop of it every couple of years or so, we could, you, you know, just keep on keeping on for a bit. I mean, you humans have such short lives that I just, well, you, you know, I, but if it'd make you happier to be younger, if you drank just a little bit more of it, then I, I guess, oh, geez. Before Ace had even finished speaking, Agatha had torn the stopper from the bottle and drained its contents. The results were nearly instantaneous. In the blink of an eye, Agatha St. Grenadine was suddenly 20 years younger. Why, I feel amazing. This is... Why, Ace, you wonderful, brilliant, fantastic creature. Is there anything you can't do? <laughs> well, I'm not so good at long division. A and I can't make up neat metaphors the way that you do. I have struggled with that particular challenge myself. Alec, what are you doing here? And what are you doing with that gun? Pointing it at you, Agatha. I decided to follow you when you left the disco barn this evening. 
You seemed rather perturbed, and I wanted to make sure that you didn't do anything drastic, anything which might affect my financial interest in the new phase of your career that I outlined earlier. Well, as you can see, you can scrap those plans. You don't need to use that Nicorette girl anymore. Now I've got the voice, the face, and the body to match. I'm the total package. Put that silly gun away, Alec. Can't you see you don't need it? We can go back to those record companies together. No hard feelings. Sure, you could have candy-coated it for me a bit. I'm a little sore about the flim-flammery with the contract signing, but I get the picture. It's a cutthroat business. You made like the graffiti removal squad. You saw the writing on the wall and did what had to be done. I ain't sore at you for that. Not anymore. Not now that I'm on top of my game like a kid playing Twister. Just put the gun down, Alec. Let's talk business. You certainly have undergone a remarkable change, Agatha. And you're right. In light of your recent shall we say, makeover, the record executives would probably be delighted to renegotiate your contract and to cut Nicorette out of the deal. Well, then what are you still doing training that heater on your star client? Lose the pea shooter and let's make like the TV chef on Thanksgiving morning and talk turkey. If I was still planning on being your agent, that is exactly what I would do. But you see, in light of recent events I've witnessed, I think I'm going to get out of the music business and into a more lucrative field. What are you talking about, Alec? After what I've seen here tonight, I think there's far more money to be made in a different line of work. I think it's time that I got into the lumber industry. You wouldn't. Wouldn't I? If a few drops of syrup can have the rejuvenating effect that I have just witnessed, just think what the rest can do. I've read my shell, Silverstein, and that little wooden boy over there is my giving tree, and he's going to give me everything I want in life. Rich old society ladies will pay big bucks for a chunk of bark dust from this freak. I'm going to take his sap, his leaves, his trunk. Heck, I bet I can find some chump who will pay a cool million for a stool made out of lover boy here's stump. No! You bastard! If you hurt her, I'll... You'll what? Drop an acorn on my head? That's Oaks. Imagine my relief. Now the plan that I have laid out thus far is non-negotiable. The only variable is whether or not a certain newly vivacious witness survives to tell her tale. What do you say, Pinocchio? You can do whatever you want to me. And I will. But you leave Miss Agatha alone. Don't listen to it, Mace. If you cooperate, I promise you, I will not harm a hair on her recently renovated head. You have my word as a music industry lowlife. Okay, then. What do you want? Well, as I said, I am going to take you apart, cut you up, and wring out every ounce of youth-restoring magic I can find. (laughs) But... It would speed up the process considerably if you might dispense any trinkets you have lying around similar to the one you gifted our once-again young friend here. And if I do, you'll let her go? She will be as free as the proverbial bird from the Leonard Skinner song which was released two years ago. Don't do it, Ace. It's not worth it. I'm... I'm not worth it. Shut up. Oh, this is worth it. I love you, Miss Agatha. Mr. Gangsterman, I'll do what you say. If you dig around in the soil by where she found that first bottle, you'll find another one just a little deeper down. You've made a wise decision, tree man. Oh, Ace! Where is it? 
If you're lying to me, I'll burn her alive on a fire I make out of your kindling, you freak. I'll... As Alex Sanderson dug greedily in the earth under the maple dryad, the air was filled with a sickening crack of wood twisting and breaking. Ace's trunk split open. Leafy tendril shot out, ensnared the terrified opportunist, and pulled him in closer before the trunk reformed, enveloping Alec in its ligneous embrace. Within a few seconds, the bark had regrown, covering his face. No! No! Oh, Ace, what have you done? I'm sorry. I, I didn't want you to have to see that. Oh, I don't care about him. You were amazing. You saved my life. He never would have let me live no matter what he said. Oh, I know that. You don't really think I'm that stupid, do you? Of course not, you beautiful, wonderful, situationally murderous genius, you. But that doesn't matter now. All that matters is we can be together. Well, about that. What is it? Well, it's like I said before. Reversing the transformation process once I've laid down my roots isn't really that super for me. What do you mean? Well, it'll probably be, I don't know, like 40 or 50 years until I can take my human form again. Sorry. I just had to make sure that you were safe. But, but all of our plans, what will I do without you? Sorry. Miss Agatha, the bark is starting to form over my face. Do you think I could get just one last smooch while I've still got lips? Of course. <laughs> of course I will. My poor, sweet, ancient kid. <laughs> a few nights later, there was a November frost, and a couple of syrupers started making an early go at sugaring season. Hey, Mark, get a load of this tree. Check out this weird bulge that's on the side of the trunk. Man, it looks as though it's just bursting with sap. Grab that spigot. I bet this fatty will fill the bucket within an hour. That's a weird noise. Jesus, it's a frickin' gusher. And look at the sap. That's a weird color. Yeah, it's almost a dark red. Carl, Carl, that's not sap. Let's get out of here, Mark. As his blood drained into the frightened Serapa's abandoned bucket, Alex Sanderson continued silently screaming his cries muffled by Ace's vengeful bark. And there you have it. If you ask me, Ace's bark might be worse than my bite. But whatever happened to Agatha? Well, after grieving for a bit, she headed back to the city and got a job in publishing. She never did restart her music career, but every fall, she comes back to these parts and rents a room in town. They say that to this day, if you go out into the woods at night in October, you can hear her singing to Ace's tree and waiting for him to change back into the young man she fell in love with all those many years ago. And who knows? Maybe one day he will. They do say that plants respond to music. That's so sad. But you said we reminded you of Ace and Agatha. What did you mean? Do you think we're that in love? I mean, we haven't really known each other that long, but... No, it's not that. If I had to put my finger on it, I'd have to say it's that one of you is keeping an important secret and is not what they seem. Isn't that so, young man? Uh, what? I don't know what you're talking about. Don't listen to him, Susie. Oh, so I suppose those aren't sacrificial runes carved into the side of that hunting knife you picked up at the Kittry Trading Post, which I found in your pocket whilst I was retrieving your nose candy. 
Must just be my imagination, I suppose. What? Biff, what is he talking about? You see, young lady, this barn is at the intersection of several lee lines, and there's a certain less than savory element within the magical community that believes that a human sacrifice made here would grant the fellow doing the sacrifice in considerable power. Isn't that so? Susie, he's making this up. I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. It's like I told you, we just came here to party. I'm afraid that for breaking the house rules, there can be only one punishment. But I didn't break any of your rules. Not yet. I mean, even if I was planning on sacrificing Susie here and feeding on her life force. Hey, what the fuck? And I'm not saying I was. But even if I were, I haven't done it yet. And that means if you were to feed on me, you'd be violating your own rules. You can't do it. You have to let me go. Us, I mean. You have to let us go. Well, you do raise an interesting point there. And if the feeding was the rule I was talking about, then I suppose I might even be swayed by your logic. But I think we both know that no feeding in the barn is not the rule I was referring to. Isn't that so, Biff? Or should I say, Francis? Shit. You saw through my glamour, didn't you? Uh, yeah. Then I suppose this is it, then. Uh, yeah. Young lady, you're free to go. Just remember the third F. No flapping your gums about this place. I won't, I promise. Biff? I, I mean, Francis? Fuck you. Say, Mr. Um, Ezekiel, that story you told put me in the mind for some pancakes. There's an all-night diner a few towns over in East Benton. Would, would you care to join me? <laughs> Why, you've got a ghoulish disposition, Missy. A girl after my own heart. Only problem is, I don't drink. Syrup. Ah, but I suppose just this once I could make an exception. You run on ahead. I'll meet you there in a minute or two. First, I've got to do some <laughs> taking care of business. Isn't that right, Francis? Shit. Happy Halloween, everybody. That was Tales from the Haunted Disco Barn. It was written and produced by me. I'm Nathan Hubbard. It starred Laura Cross as Agatha St. Grenadine, Corey Whitney as Biff slash Francis, Lisa Winters as Susie, and me as Ace and Alec, and introducing Ezekiel P. Shadowmaven as himself. The music playing in the disco scene in the barn was Aurea Carmina by Kevin McLeod. You can reach me at ttwasteland at gmail.com and at all the other places you normally find me. So thanks, and we'll be back with a regular episode next week, I promise. Thank you so much. This was really, really fun. Happy Halloween! <laughs>